Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. And as always, joined by my man, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going? It's going good. And by the sound of things, it sounds like it's going pretty good for you as well. I can hear you this time. Yes, I've got a voice this week, although I almost lost it crying last night. Um, I won't say why. I'm sure you'll cover that in the news and people will understand shortly. And if they know me well enough, they already know why. Well, you know, if you've got a voice, then maybe you can be like former Viking Ezra Tuolo and go on the show and uh, maybe find people like CeeLo and that uh, guy from Maroon 5, maybe win a million dollars or something like that, right? Not with this voice, trust me. Okay. I've got a face (laughs) for radio and a, I don't know how that goes, forget it. Hey, anyway, let's do this. Let's tell people what we're going to be talking about today. Of course, we'll have our DFS segment, um, as always, tried and true. The other thing that we're going to do a little later, we will talk about setting playoff lineups as well as we'll do a small little bit talking about rule changes and such this time of year and then we'll also let people know that starting next week we will be giving our top 10 um, to end the year so next week we're probably going to do quarterback and running back next week and then tight end and wide receiver the following week so we'll give you guys the top 10s at each position um, That'll be good for teams like myself who've already been mathematically eliminated from some of our playoffs. That it, you can start looking ahead a little bit more, and uh, I mean, it's never too early to start planning your draft strategy for next year. Even if you're not in a dynasty or keeper league, you, you want to be the early bird to get the worm on finding out who you're going to have as your top ranked players. And uh, we may even have a few surprises in there for you, players that you might not expect to be in the top ten that will be in the top ten next august and hey maybe this time i'll actually write them down and remember and then we can go back and look at them to see what we did last year i'm sure i could try and go back and find those episodes but that's too much work if we're <laughs> not if a we, problem steve if we were very wrong i'm sure some of our listeners would tell us um i do believe i had a running back in baltimore in my top 10 um i don't think he's touched the ball here but that's a different story so, hey, you know what? They can't, be, they can't get on the field due to a suspension, et cetera. It's hard to make the top 10 in anything. Other than that, it's time that I do. Oh, were we both high on Terrell Pryor this year? No, I don't, I don't think I was as high on, on him as you were. I'm not going to say I didn't draft him. I definitely know I wasn't that high on him last year when we did our top 10. I feel safe saying that. Yeah, I, I openly admit to, to being overly high on Terrell Pryor last year and uh, – that, well, I should say going into this year, and he definitely was a uh, a, a major fail, and I'll, I'll I'll take the blame for that one because I I saw I did not see that coming with that offense. Um, you know, you know, you know right now, or if Kirk Cousins is going to be there next year, so you really don't know what to think about that offense going into next year, too. Yeah, and you know what? That'll be a part of our conversation in a couple of weeks when we talk about the wide receivers and quarterbacks, probably. Um, no, I was higher. I think I was higher on. Jamison Crowder, believe it or not, coming into the season. And that doesn't say much. The last few weeks has been pretty decent, but I think he was hampered by injury early on. I'm not sure if Pryor just didn't get 
the playbook or the trust of Kirk or whatever it was, but it was definitely a failed experiment. How many players lose their value when you go from the Browns quarterbacks to Kirk Cousins? Not <laughs> many. And you know what? I don't know what you have in the news, but speaking of Browns and speaking of receivers, with that, I'm going to say I want to throw it over to, the, to Harley Schultz for this week's BPN News and see if there's anything on the Browns or a certain wide receiver in there. Take it away, Harley. Thank you, Steve. Recent MVP favorite Carson Wentz sustained a torn ACL Sunday during Philly's victory over the Los Angeles Rams. The injury occurred on a goal line touchdown run that was called back due to offensive holding. What is amazing is that Wentz stayed in for one more play and threw a laser touchdown. I'm not sure if this injury will cost Wentz the MVP nod, but I guarantee that Nick Foles will cost the Eagles their championship nod. (laughs) Coming into this week, Baltimore had not allowed a 300-yard passer all season. They still haven't. In related news, start Ben Roethlisberger at home and bench him on the road. No exceptions. (laughs) Trey Burton and Brent Selleck combined for three receiving touchdowns Sunday. This raises the obvious question, is Zach Ertz a premier tight end, or is it just the system? Ertz signed a five-year extension back in January 2016 with $20 in guaranteed money. Perhaps Philadelphia should ask for some of that money back. A lot has been said about the development of Jared Goff this season. That said, Jared Goff finished with a pedestrian 199-2 line this past weekend. In fact, with the exception of four strong games in the month of November, he has been rather pedestrian all season. In his other nine games, Goff is averaging 238 passing yards, and he has a total of 13 passing touchdowns or as people on the East Coast like to call it, Joe Flacco. (laughs) And finally, in ownership news, Derek Jeter has purchased the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he has traded Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Ben Roethlisberger to the New York Giants for Orleans Darkwa and two future third-round picks. (laughs) This has been your BPN News Update. I actually thought it would have been funnier if you had said he traded him to the New York Yankees, but <laughs> he probably would if he could. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay, a couple things I got to take issue with here. Carson Wentz. Okay, yes, I, I I don't admit it very often, but I'm an Eagles fan. I try to be as unbiased as I possibly can, so I don't like to talk about my fandom. Um, but to say that. Deep down, I wasn't excited about the prospects of Philly finally looking like they could possibly win a Super Bowl would be a lie. Absolutely. Um, when Carson dove into the end zone and it got up, I was like, oh, God, he took a horrible hit on that leg, thigh area, and I thought that maybe he you know, had some sort of hit point or something like that. Never in a million years I think it was an ACL, especially after he got up and threw a touchdown pass. One of the best touchdowns I've seen him throw all year, too. Yeah, and also, here's what makes it so bittersweet for me. 
of course, I want to see the Eagles win first and foremost before my fantasy teams. But if I can get both, it works better, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yesterday I was in a playoff matchup in the Huddle IDP Expert League against um, Bob Harris, football diehards. And he had Carson Wentz going. I lost by 2.4 points. That would be a total of, um, <laughs> okay, I'm laughing because I'm watching Harley do kung fu stuff because it looks like Skype and the um, video wasn't working for him and he was trying to see if he could see me. I'm not sure. And now we're getting beeps. I'm not sure what that means. Anyway, um, back to that. What I was going to say was I went up losing by four point, by 2.4 points. So that last Wentz touchdown is the last touchdown pass we're going to see him throw all year but it also is the last touchdown pass that I needed thrown against me to knock me out of the playoffs. Bitter whammy. And and for me personally, I have Wentz in a lot of leagues. It kind of went down to the whole, uh, we both sort of subscribed to the zero quarterback theorem type of strategy for drafting. And uh, both of us were able to get a guy like Wentz late in the draft because while he was expected to be good, he was still probably ranked around number 19 or 18 most of the preseason rankings. So uh, if you waited on getting your quarterback, you could have gotten Wentz very, very late. Yep. Now, Wentz uh, has certainly carried my team throughout the years. And then all of a sudden to lose him in the middle of what could have been a monstrous game for him. Now, he went out when there was still uh, more than a quarter left to play. Yeah. And I mean, if he had scored another touchdown, I probably would already have sewn up uh, the original Empire League uh, semifinal matchup I have with uh, Steve Robertstead. And unfortunately, because of that, now I'm going to be sweating tonight's game quite profusely because I have Kenyon Drake going, he has Kenny Stills going, and I'm still down five. Yeah, those sweat games on Monday nights are tough. And and now you also talked about Zach Ertz. So it's going to look like I'm a Philly fanboy right now. Ertz is, I, I end up with a lot of Philly notes in today's news, but yeah. that's just because it was such a big well, game. We won't have any more going forward, that's for sure. Um, anyway, Burton. Ertz is an elite talent, I think, at tight end. Yes, I do think he's one of the top three to five guys. The system doesn't hurt him, but the thing is, you have to give Burton a little more credit, I think. Now, Selleck was very good once. He's just not, you know, he's old. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. So you can't rely on him. But he's crafty. He's old. He's got good hands. I, earlier this season, I said he's like a train that's coming to rest at the station, it stops when it's ready to stop. Like, that's the kind of speed he has. Just keeps going until he's down. Um, but Burton, I think, could be a starter for quite a few teams in this league. So Philly's going to have – they've got good depth at the position so that if something like this happens again where Ertz goes down, they've got a guy that can definitely step in. And it's a better situation than, say, Washington, where you've got Jordan Reed, who's made of glass – but Vernon's behind him, who's a capable backup, but Vernon's also older. Burton's a nice young guy that's coming up still and can only get better. Well, and I, I'm not sure what Burton's contract status is, but uh, uh, they might be wise to look into locking him up. Just Again, you, you can't really afford to spend a ton of money on him with so much invested already in Ertz. But uh, again, I, I agree. I don't think Ertz is going anywhere anytime soon, but it is definitely telling to see that uh, they can make – a, a younger, less proven tight end look like a star there. And I, I, mean, I was fortunate. I, I had a lot of shares of Trey Burton on DFS this past week. Uh, I got burned a little bit on the lineups. I didn't have Burton. I also had a lot of Steven Anderson, who did not come through for me this week. But no. uh, 
Uh, Burton definitely uh, paid dividends uh, as one of the. I think he may have actually been the top tight end scorer on DraftKings this past weekend. Hey, I don't like to gloat, and I, I wrote another note down. But before we go there, since you said Stephen Anderson didn't come through for you, you know who came through for me though, don't you? Uh, who was that? Oh, I don't know. I think he was my value play last week, and somebody you completely said I've got to jump in and say I disagree here. Okay, <laughs> um, Eric <coughs> Ebron, I believe. I'd never trust Ebron. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I also had a note here, and I wrote down Skip Bayless because I wanted to comment. It was something that you said in the news. I can't remember the reason why I said it, but last night I got into a little bit of a triddle, a tw- triddle, a Twitter troll battle, I guess, with a few trolls. Um, I, I think we may have a new word. We'll have to see if uh, Merriam-Webster will pick that up as a word of the year. There you go. Um, I was called a two-dollar. Don't be. I was told not to be a two-dollar Skip Bayless, um, and that was because I made a comment. I didn't say what should happen. I made a comment, kind of like just a thought bubble type comment. Wonder if the Eagles will reach out to Kaepernick to see, you know, if he is somebody that they might be willing to go forward with. Because, I, and I wrote his playoff experience could be valuable. I meant to say his Super Bowl experience could be valuable, possibly. Um, of course, I got called every name in the book and I'll $2 skip Bayless. <laughs> so, I didn't take kindly to that. Um Yeah. I just I don't feel comfortable with Nate Sudfeld as the backup, whether you want to go with Foles or not. Um, they got to do something because. Well, I, I think it's interesting with the, with a guy like Foles too, because he has experience in this particular role and in this particular situation, and he's had success in this situation before. Right. But again, yeah, like you said, Foles isn't exactly a a guy that inspires success on the field, though, just because he does have the ability. And and much like uh, the Washington tight ends, he's not exactly unbrittle as well. Right. And, and like I said, that's the main thing. Like, okay, everybody's, well, it's late in the year. He's got to learn. To do, I don't expect him to come in and play next week. But you've got week 15, 16, and 17, and most likely a bye if mm-hmm. you can play your cards right the, the next three weeks, right? So you give him three weeks to a month to where he can at least learn and become the backup so that if something did happen to Foles, then to Nick, then you've got a guy that can step in that does have that experience versus throwing Nate Sudfeld in there. Um, I, I got to assume they're going to sign someone else to step in there as another backup, but oh, uh, they have to. Yeah, I mean, although again at this point, like you said, it's it's hard to rely on someone unless they have someone from their past that has familiarity with their offense that they can bring back. Right. And, and here's the other thing. The other reason I said that was. If you remember, years ago when Michael Vick was coming out of jail, who was the team that signed him? Mm-hmm. It was the Eagles. That was not a popular move. There were protesters out when that happened against the Eagles. So it was more of me wondering aloud because I knew that they have done something like that in the past. Of course, people pushed back and said, yeah, that was you know in the offseason. That's not the point. I'm not talking about when, from a learning the playbook standpoint, I'm talking about from an organizational philosophy that – They've made decisions that wasn't necessarily one that the public agreed with when it was made. Well, and, and that raises an interesting question. You mentioned Kaepernick's name. Obviously, he's a real firebrand this year. With, uh, I mean, everyone brings him up for every single possible quarterback possibility. But when you think about the, the scheme that Philadelphia runs, uh, it raises the question where yeah. would he be the best option or would perhaps someone like Johnny Football be the best option to bring in? Uh, what I would like about him, honestly, is the fact that he's 
athletic enough to still run those RPOs the way that Wentz does. And that's my fear with Foles. He's not a threat to run. Um, I don't know that he's going to save you any plays or get you any, any chunk plays with his legs, which is what I think they're going to need. Yes, they're going to rely on the run game, but you still have to have a way to keep the offense, I mean, the defensive honest. So anyway, talking about honest, let's, let's get off this. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ill. I'm going to have to take some medication or something. Um, I think we should jump into our DFS segment. What do you think? Sounds good. Well, let's let because it Because when you talk about sickness, there's nothing quite as sick as some of the DFS plays the last couple of weeks. Yes, that's true too. But all right, how many are we going to agree on? Taking a quick look here, I'm going to say I am going to say five. We're in agreement. I was toying between four and five, and I was just going to blurt out five before you answered. I'm going to say five also. Okay, well, let's start at the quarterback position there. Who are you going to pay up for this week? Well, let me pull up my little list here. I've got it written down below me so I can at least look at it. Um, you know, the fact that Carson Wentz and Aaron Rodgers are on there just is laughable to me. But, no, there's one guy that sticks out. He's probably not as high as when I like to say I like to pay up. But I find it hard to not want to keep Drew Brees in a lineup this week against that putrid Jets secondary especially when he's at home. So I'm paying up for Drew Brees. Okay, that is not a match with me. I am paying up for Ben Roethlisberger at home versus the Patriots. Uh, Ben is unbenchable at home after last week. I I really thought that he would struggle even at home against Baltimore's good defense. I did too. Uh, He made a mockery of Baltimore's defense last week. Again, Baltimore has still not given up a 300-yard passer this year. They have given up a 500-yard passer, but not a 300-yard passer. Uh, In their last five regular season meetings, Ben is averaging 376 passing yards per game against New England to go along with 10 passing touchdowns. Those are MVP-style numbers, and he's going to get to take advantage of that home cooking. The only reason that would maybe sway me away from this is if they get some bad weather there. Yeah, that'd be that was honestly one of my biggest concerns. I, I don't see this as being a defensive battle unless the weather plays odds with it. So that's why I figured if I'm going to be unsure about that a guy that's a couple hundred bucks less and he's in his place of where he feels comfortable in the dome that's why i went with breeze i thought we had we would agree there honestly i really did um who is going to be your value play because i'm sorry not your value play your stay away i've got two and one to me actually i've got three two to me shouldn't count i'll give you those first well well, if one of those was going to be Carson Wentz, then that's understandable. When I sent the list to you, yeah. uh, we hadn't had a complete update as to whether or not Wentz would be unavailable. The early reports were that he just had a knee contusion of some kind. Uh, now, obviously, he is out for the season, complete tear of the ACL. Uh, the guy I'm staying away from, though, is a guy who is also in question for this week, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Now, do you trust Aaron Rodgers to not be rusty in his first game back? If there was a quarterback that I would trust, it's probably Aaron Rodgers. But you know what? I would trust him more if he was going up against a lesser defense in his first game back. Carolina's allowed the seventh fewest passing yards per game. Now, again, if Rodgers plays, which, again, is still not 100% definite, uh, he's a serviceable play, but I'm not going to count on him at that price tag. They've got him priced like he's a top quarterback, Ray. Yep, and he was two. He was the other, I said I had two that— Rodgers was one that I just felt like you just can't play him coming off that one. You don't know if he's really even going to play or not, no matter what they say at this point. So 
I'm not even going to give us a match on that because it's, him and Wentz to me were free for me to say, no, I'm not playing those guys. I've got a guy that's a little bit higher priced. Um, probably be dumb for saying this, but I'm staying away from Russell Wilson this week. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. He was my other choice this week. I, I do not like Wilson's price tag, especially since he's more than Roethlisberger. And I think Roethlisberger's going to have a better line. And yeah. the Rams are Rams are pretty decent in the past defenses here. They are. And you know what else? Don't. People shouldn't overlook that this is a divisional game. Go back and look at the past few years of the games that these two teams have had. There have been a lot of low-scoring affairs. And for that price tag, I want to hear they've all been high-scoring affairs, not low-scoring affairs. So even though it's in Seattle, where, again, you could always have weather that plays a part, um, and the Rams are coming off a bad, bad loss, I think that you'll see that defense tighten up some, and I just I'd rather stay away from Mr. Wilson this week. I I completely agree. Uh, who's your value play this week? Don't match, but you agree. I got you. Oh, this pains me to say that this is my value play. I wanted to go Jimmy Garoppolo, but I didn't feel like that was a, a low enough. He's salary. not a big enough value this week. He's, right? It's they the, priced him kind of high. Exactly. The, the price was not enough to make him a value. Um, Nick Foles. I, I can't argue with that. It's a good matchup. He's actually got a couple of good matchups here to end the season. But uh, I, I do actually – I planned on giving him a green rating on the Dominator this week because I think he is going to perform three times his salary. But he was not my value play pick. My value play pick is Blake Bortles at Houston. I picked on Houston last week with Jimmy Garoppolo. He had a pretty good week. Uh, Texans' pass defense has been beat down big time by opposing quarterbacks recently. Only four teams – are allowing more passing touchdowns per game than Houston. I think that Bortles will throw for at least two touchdowns, approach 300 yards again, and maybe the uh, Seattle team will have to start saying that he actually is a legitimate quarterback. Hey, you know, I heard a stat today on Sirius, and I can't remember the exact stat, but it covered the last two weeks, I believe, and of course it wouldn't include this game tonight where Tom Brady and Jay Cutler are playing, so I don't know how that will impact it. But over the past two weeks prior to today, Blake Bortles leads the NFL in passer rating. And I don't remember yep. if that was for the full games or if it was second half only or something like that. But, yes, that is what I, I mean. That's just crazy. No one ever would have known that. Except well, I, I mean, another stat that someone brought up, uh, I want to say it was uh, someone at ESPN had brought up uh, over the last four weeks going into this week. Uh, Case Keenum and Tom Brady had virtually identical stats over the previous four weeks. Yeah. Zero quarterback, baby. Okay, so let's move the running back. I think this is where we're going to get a match. I can see that happening. I'm paying up for Shady McCoy versus Miami. (sighs) Now, coming into tonight's game, uh, Miami had allowed five running back rushing scores in their last five games. Uh, McCoy has scored at least one time in four of his five career meetings against Miami. So I kind of have those two things going for me. Uh, He was the one higher-priced guy this week that, I thought I would pay up for. There's a couple of medium-priced guys who I'd pay up for, but among the truly high-priced guys, Shady was the only one that I felt truly confident paying for. At this point, I'm wondering if we're going to have one or two that we agree on. I'm paying up for Le'Veon Bell. If this were baseball, we would say he is in the zone. He is finally putting up the type of numbers, both in the passing and the rushing game, that we expect. Now, my fear is, okay, that Bill likes to take away one weapon, right? Mm-hmm. The reason I don't think that will be Bell is because I think he'll attempt to take Antonio Brown away 
because if you take out Antonio Brown, you effectively take out Ben, which is two for one. Well, let me uh, let me uh, feed you a little bit here on Bell. I thought a lot about Bell this week. So I actually looked up on his historical record against the Patriots. And uh, he's actually had a couple of good games against the Patriots. But he has never scored a touchdown against the Patriots. And when you add all of his games together against the Patriots, do you want to know what his combo yard average is for those games? Nope. 103 yards. 103 combo yards for most running backs is pretty darn good in a game. 103 yards for Le'Veon Bell may be his season low. All right, let's. right, I'm going to do this. Ready? Multiple touchdowns this week. Six catches. And over 100 yards rushing. That's Le'Veon Bell this week. I, I hope so, because I've, I've got him in a couple of dynasty leagues that I'm definitely going to need him he's gonna to perform buck, if I'm going to carry on in the playoffs. He'll buck the trend. He's just too damn hot. If I'm going to pay up for someone, I'm paying up for somebody that's white hot like that. So he was not my stay away, but I, I definitely, like I said, I was a little hesitant based on the price tag to pay that much for him. But again, it, it is hard to lay. I mean, I, I don't think it's possible to completely ignore him, especially in DFS. I mean, so again, we've talked about it before. Sometimes you have to play the chalk. And when you look at uh, this week here, the top scoring quarterback was Roethlisberger. The top scoring running back was Bell. The top scoring wide receivers, Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Sometimes you gotta pay up for the right players, and if you don't, you're gonna be left in the left in the dust before you even get a chance to get your sleepers in there. Yep. Okay, so while I'm looking up some stats here, who are you staying away from? I'm gonna stay away from Jamal Williams at Carolina. A returning Aaron Rodgers should draw some of the focus in Green Bay's offense away from the run and back to the pass. Uh, making it worse though, however, Carolina is impossible to run against. If you throw out New Orleans two starts against them, and I will admit this, New Orleans' two-headed backfield absolutely destroyed Carolina's run defense. But if you throw out those two starts, Carolina has allowed a total a total of 700 rushing yards all season and three touchdowns over 11 games. 700 total rushing yards, three touchdowns, 11 games. Okay. Unless you're Elvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, that's not a good stat. Okay, fair enough. That's not who I'm staying away from. Not that I won't stay away from, but that's not my play. I'm staying away from the aforementioned Alvin Kamara. And there's two reasons for that. One, I don't like playing players coming back off of an injury and mm-hmm. a concussion's nothing to be messed with. Two, for the season, the Jets ranked 28th in points allowed to fantasy running backs. Three, over the last six weeks, they are 32nd the absolute stingiest of stingy to fantasy running backs. I'm not forcing it, and I'm not paying that much for Kamara coming off an injury against such a stout defense. I I would have to totally agree with you. The only possible play with Kamara there is that the Jets have been amenable to pass-catching backs. But again, even then, you're taking a lot of risk at that price tag that Kamara wouldn't sustain some sort of Uh, re-injury. Basically, we've already read online that Kamara is planning on playing, uh, but I don't think you can really say that until he's officially cleared protocol. Yep, and I'll say this: Breeze and Thomas. It's the Breeze and Thomas show this week. Breeze. I totally agree. I totally Thomas. agree there. Okay, even though you didn't agree to pay up for Breeze, yes, you agree. Okay, I got it. I got it. Got it. Well, I agree. I agree with Breeze. I just he wasn't my choice at pay up. <laughs> so at value play, I bet we we're going to get one here. 
I've got three guys. I've got to talk myself through which one is really going to be my value play. So don't go, bingo, wait till I say which one I'm going to play. Okay. I like Alex Collins this week. I like Ajaye this week. And I like, dare I say, Derek Henry this week. Derek well, you know, Henry. I've got all three of those guys on my uh, like list for this week, but none of them is a match. See that? Well, I'm going to tell you that of those three, I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. He's probably the riskiest, but I think his, ups, his upside is the highest in the matchup that we have. And you just heard the coach say, we're still sticking with DeMarco Murray, which tells me maybe they're not. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I said you bring up those three. Those are three of the guys I fought with in choosing my value play. And if I had decided to go a little bit cheaper, I would have actually gone with Derrick Henry. So maybe we can give ourselves half a point match. So I had started writing notes down for Derrick Henry, thinking that he might be the guy. And then I looked at the split last week of the carries, and even though, I mean, Henry got the touchdown this week, he's got touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, the, the split is still kind of 50-50 there. And, I mean, certainly Henry has looked like the better back the last couple weeks, but, again, is Jeff Fisher running their offense again now? What's going on there? I mean, M- Malarkey is uh, not... Full Malarkey, that's what he is. <laughs> exactly. I expect them to just at least if, if they're not going to be highly competitive for the chance to take down that poor division, they should at least be looking at what they have for the future in Henry there. Uh, the guy I'm going with, though, at my value play, we're watching right now here on Monday Night Football, and that's Kenyon Drake at Buffalo. I, I've had fun making fun of Buffalo's run defense recently. Over the last six games, they've allowed 11 running back rushing scores and 192 combo yards per game. Now, that 192 combo yards per game, that's pretty darn impressive to give up that many yards. But that also includes a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, where the Chiefs running back core had a total of 29 combo yards for the game. Not 129, 29. So if you take that game out of this six-game stretch, Buffalo has allowed 224 combo yards per game to opposing running backs over the other five games in the most recent six. That's ridiculous. It is, and I almost have a breaking thing to add here. Um, based on this game we're watching, breaking, I'll say it right now, Dwayne Allen has caught a pass. I repeat, is this his second catch of the year, right? Dwayne Allen has caught a pass, yes. I believe it is. <laughs> okay, so there you go. Well, so they have a tight end now, though. I mean, they lost Bennett. They lost uh, Gronk for this week with the suspension. Yep. Well, you know. There's still a Zach Sudfeld there. Speaking of Sudfelds, isn't he the backup in? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't matter. Um, <laughs> let's move. To, let's see if we can nail the last two positions because at, at best we got a half of agreement here. Who are you paying up for it? Wide receiver. Uh, the, the pay up at wide receiver is going to be a hit for us. We both are, I think, leaning Michael Thomas uh, versus the Jets. The Jets have allowed three touchdowns to opposing number one wide receivers over the last two weeks. Plus. You know, New Orleans may throw the ball more this week if Kamara is limited or if he can't play. Uh, they did that in this past game. They obviously uh, threw the ball a lot more to their receivers, Ted Ginn not being one of them. Uh, a little bitter there, but <laughs> otherwise, though, they definitely uh, threw the ball more. Brandon Coleman got involved a little bit. Willie Sneed even caught a pass, which was amazing. Well, you are right. We do agree. I had two names written down, and one was an X. And that was something I alluded to earlier. I would find it hard to fault anybody if they wanted to pay up for Antonio Brown. But, again, with me saying Bill as a tactician or chess player, and you know he wants to take away one weapon from a team, I see him trying to make that bell 
I'm sorry, Bell, Brown, and get a two-for-one by, by negating Brown and Roethlisberger. So Michael Thomas, I love the Breeze Thomas stack this week. I think he's absolutely goes bonkers. So I, I think we finally have an official match there, which is good. Uh, we do. We may even match on the stay away, too. Uh, yep. The guy I'm staying away from is DeAndre Hopkins at Jacksonville. Bingo. Uh, Jacksonville is allowing an average of two and a half catches per game. That's second best in the league. And 24.7 yards per game to opposing number one wide receivers. That yardage is the best in the league. The catch is second best. Only two number one wide receivers have scored against Jacksonville all year. Uh, and that is if you include Doug Baldwin's score last week. Uh, again, I, I don't know if we really can consider Doug Baldwin a true number one wide receiver because he does line up in the slot a lot. Uh, plus, uh, it, it's going to be TJ Yates. Now, Yates targeted DeAndre just as much as Tom Savage and just as much as Deshaun Watson did, but that was mainly due to the fact that Houston was devoid of additional talent in their offense for passing to other than him and Will Fuller. So, uh, yes, Hopkins will be targeted. Yes, he'll probably catch seven or eight passes, but really I think that's kind of his ceiling. So, yes, we do agree, absolutely. And remember, I hinted at this a couple of weeks ago for teams that owned him like I do um, for Week 15. And I initially wasn't starting him in season long. But then I looked at it and I went, okay, here are my options. I start Jamison Crowder over him because I'm starting Josh Gordon. So basically I need to start one, two, three, four, seven of these people. Malcolm Brown, who's a handcuff, so he's not. He's out of it. So it's Todd Gurley, Derrick Henry, Duke Johnson, Crowder, Diggs, Gordon, Hopkins, and Dee Westbrook. So that means it comes down to Crowder or Hopkins. And I'm going to play Hopkins because at this point I'm looking at him as a number three or a flex, and I'm just going to have to understand he's got limited upside this week. Um, but, yeah, I can see where some teams may not be very happy about that matchup. And in DFS, that's the wonders of it. We can avoid him, as you should. Well, I think we talked about it a little bit with, uh, with Le'Veon Bell, is that uh, he might go out and catch seven passes for 90 yards and a touchdown, and that still might not be enough to – give him even double his price tag. So he's, he's been uniquely phenomenal this week. And I think when we talked in a couple of weeks about wide receiver rankings for next season, you might find that uh, he's moved up into the top three or four, I think going forward, especially in dynasty formats. Yep. Hey, you know what? I'm looking at last week's picks for me. I actually did pretty damn good. I had Phil rivers in there as my start. Uh-huh. I avoided Cam and Russ, and I said to play Savage, he got hurt. Paid up for McCoy. Had Theo as a value play. Said play Nuke, avoided Robbie. And then I had Didi and Josh as my value plays, and I honestly can't remember which one I went with, probably both. Um, you remember? Not that it matters. I, I don't. I, I, I'm pretty sure I went with Josh, and I think you probably went with Josh and or Didi. Well, but that's interesting you mentioned Josh and Didi because uh, – Didi is going to be my value play this week. We swept it. Yes, that's what I was trying to allude to. <laughs> Didi is in my value play spot also. Houston has allowed six touchdowns to opposing number two wide receivers. Uh, meanwhile, Westbrook scored last week, and he has at least five catches in each of his last three games. He's been more and more involved in that offense. Uh, Ellen Hearns is basically a forgotten man. He won't be back this year, I don't think. Uh, and Marquise Lee is taking on the opposing team's number one cornerback, so... That means Didi is going to get the lesser coverage, and Houston's lesser coverage has been truly lesser this year. And you know what? He is, trust me, there's a monster game coming for him at some point before the end of the season. 
maybe he'll get that 200-yard performance that he was begging for in week one. It's There's a monster game of Bruin. That's all I know. Dude's a baller. Yep, so there you go. We, we swept it. I don't know if we've ever swept the wide receiver position before. but we. I don't think it. so because it's such a deep position. It's hard to do. Yeah, it really is. All right, so I'll let – no, I'll start. You want me to start? You start. Go for it. You start. Okay, so I got two guys, and one is – a true payup, and the other would be like, oh, well, every, there's not really a lot of expensive guys, so it's still kind of a payup. I got to tell you, I'm just going to go for it. Screw it. Rob Gronkowski coming off suspension. Big game. We just made it four in a row. Nice. Now, I actually have two guys as well. The other guy? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you who the other guy was. Okay. Delaney, Delaney Walker. Uh, that was not the guy, but I do agree with that as, as a payup. I, I think he qualifies as a payup, especially on uh, FanDuel, where his price tag's a little higher. Uh, the other guy I'm going to pay up for is Zach Ertz if he plays. You see, I, I have to pay up for him because I own him in a normal season-long league, but in DFS, I don't like somebody coming off multi-week concussion timeout, so I'd avoid him because of that reason only. Well, here, here's the stats for both of these guys here. Zach Ertz. Uh, Giants have allowed 11 tight end scores in 13 games this year, including one to Ertz back in week three. Yep. And Ertz has averaged seven catches and 84 yards in his last four games against the Giants. So they use him against the Giants. Again, obviously, it's a question mark. We, we don't even know for certain if he's going to play this week. Right. But what's promising is that he was actually out there practicing before last week's game. I, I was kind of like blown away to hear that even i mean i thought for sure at, at like noon that he was going to be out he wasn't there was no chance in heck that he was going to even suit up for the game but he was out there catching balls in practice so yeah. i think if he got that far he's probably going to play this week and you know what actually he probably makes a good pivot and contrarian type play because because of the coming off of a multi-week absence people might pivot away from him saying i'm not paying up that much for the position so you actually might be able to get him at a low ownership too so i can see that but his price tag is also uh, 1300 less on DraftKings than Gronk. It is. Uh, only 600 less on FanDuel, so the difference isn't that big there. But Gronk is, is a fabulous play this week. And again, like I said, he's going to have the old bit of a chip on the shoulder coming back after being suspended. But here's the stat that's amazing. <clears throat> Gronkowski has faced Pittsburgh five times in his career. In those five games, 496 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, let's do this. Let's make it five in a row. Who are you staying uh, away from? I'm going to stay away from Kyle Rudolph at the Rams. Did we do five in a row to, to take the five? Boo. <laughs> no, we did not. Oh, uh, the Bengals have allowed only three tight end touchdowns all season. Rudolph is banged up right now. He was seen leaving the stadium with his foot in a boot. The entire offensive line of the Vikings is in bad shape after last week's game. Rudolph's going to be asked to stay in and block more, uh, particularly since the blocking tight end uh, is likely out for the season. That's David Morgan. So I, it's going to be a bad day to start Rudolph if you're looking for him to get a lot of targets and a lot of yardage. Uh, I realistically believe that uh, the, the guy who's going to play more in that game and possibly be a pass-catching option will be third-string tight end. Uh, his last name is Bell. I don't know his first name, but he's not Le'Veon. So you can probably get him for league minimum. Gotcha. Okay, so um, the guy I'm avoiding is Evan Ingram. I really mm -hmm. thought you would go there against the stingy Eagles defense. Um, over the last six weeks, they ranked 31st in points allowed to tight ends. But you want to know what? You guess where they rank season to date? How far? 31st. How 31st. 
So it doesn't wow. matter how you break it up. It's they're they're not a good matchup for tight end. I know they don't have a lot to throw to there. I don't like that it's in New York from a defensive standpoint for the Eagles. Um, but at that price, I, I I see other options like Gronk that I'd pay up for, and you know other guys that I'd be willing to roll the dice on rather than take a chance on Evan Ingram. You know what? I originally had him listed as a. Uh as a medium play, but based on that analysis right there, I'm going to go ahead and change him to a don't play, give him a red grade instead. And I, uh, I can't argue with that because that's, that's very good analysis. Um, and, and we the, might actually have a match here at the value play though. We might, but hold on. And, and the other part that I think that you can't understate too is how emotion plays into things. And it's unbelievable how much of a leader Carson Wentz was for not just that offense, but that team. And I do think that, look, the, the defense did, they let the, Eagles down almost this past weekend. I really think we see that defense step up this week, especially against that Giants offense. And just really, it's going to be ugly on the offensive side of the ball for the Giants, I think, this week. Now, let's see if we can get a match here. I don't think we're going to. I think that, um, what's the word I want to use? Let me think here. Hold on a second. Um, Recency bias is going to impact your pick versus mine. Okay. Well, why don't you give me yours first, then? Steven Anderson. You're correct. We did not have a match. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. They're still thin, criminally thin at receiver in Houston. I think a lot of people are going to be off of him due to the fact that he let them down this past week. Um, but Jacksonville is a funnel defense of sorts where we're not expecting much to happen from the wide receiver position. So there should be some four or five catches, 60 yards, maybe a touchdown um, for Anderson, which I think makes him a great value play at 3,500 and 5,100. Well, there's two guys I was looking at at value play here for tight end, and they have the exact same salary on DraftKings, and they have the exact same salary on FanDuel. I haven't looked on FanDuel yet to see what their prices are there, but those two guys are Charles Clay and Ricky Seals-Jones. Clay is facing a Miami team that has been burned by opposing tight ends recently. Uh, I believe they've given up three tight end touchdowns in the last four and five tight end touchdowns in their last seven games, making Clay a a decent play, not a great play, but a decent play at that value price. But the guy I really like this week is Ricky Seals-Jones. Again, people are going to maybe stay away from him because he didn't do anything the last week after having those three great weeks in a row. But Washington has allowed tight end scores in eight of their last 11 games. So I think he's definitely in play there. Yeah, and they've been hammered in in their linebacker cores too. So that's, I like that play. I don't like the clay play because I just don't trust Nathan Peterman at this point still. Yeah, it might be Joe Webb again this week. Or Joe Webb or <laughs> Nate Sudfeld. The Eagles can give him him too if they want. I don't know. I just That's the quarterback situation is too shaky for me to like. Do, do you realize that Joe Webb started a playoff game for the Vikings a couple of years ago? Yes. Yes, I do. I remember <laughs> one, of, one of the worst. I mean, he was borderline Scott Tolzien-esque in that game. There have been some bad quarterbacks to start in the playoffs. There's been some bad ones, Trent Dilfer, to win the Super Bowl. So that's what should give Eagles fans hope. Um, that does it for our DFS segment. So, but that's a good segue into talking about some of these quarterback injuries from this week. It is, and I was going to say, we've gone a little long, but I think, hey, why not? Let's go a little bit longer. I'll let you lead us off. Let's talk about some of those quarterback injuries. Well, so the obviously the biggest name is Carson Wentz. Uh, if you had Carson Wentz in your fantasy league, you probably are in the playoffs right now because he had such a great season. Uh, he's gone. He's done for the year, and that means you're going to be forced to deal with 
the likes of Mr. Nick Foles if he's available on your waiver wire. His matchups aren't that bad. He's got a couple of good matchups, including this week against uh, the Giants. He's going to face Oakland next week, I believe, and uh, I'd be fine playing him in either of those two games at least. Yeah, that wouldn't bother me, honestly. Um, <coughs> again, this is where I get to get up on my soapbox and say, hey, zero quarterback theorem, it won't matter, so just find somebody that's going to not hurt you for the most part. Nice, you know, 11 to 15 points should be good enough. Um, one of the things I will say is you don't want any parts of TJ Yates for this week. Yeah. Um, you just don't. But I bet he's out there on the waiver wire. And if you have the bench, this is where you have to kind of be one step ahead, be proactive instead of reactive. And you go and you say, okay, where does Houston play in week 16? Should I be able to make it that far? And the answer is, because I can't find it because my eyes are failing me, um, they're not playing. Yes, they're playing. Of course, I just have to find out where. Where the hell are they playing, Harley? They're at home Houston, playing I... against the Steelers. So never mind. You don't want TJ Yates. That's not a good matchup. <laughs> but that's what you kind of have to do. You need to look ahead and say, okay, what is it? If the guy I really want for week 16, if I'm, if I'm playing matchups, don't, you can't wait to get him next week. You've got to get him this week and find a spot to stash him. So that's all well, I'll you, say about quarterback. You, you mentioned Yates. Uh... A couple other quarterbacks were replaced by injury this week, too. We talked a little bit about Nathan Peterman getting knocked out, Joe Webb coming in. <clears throat> but perhaps another one that may have been leading your team to the playoffs was Josh McCown. Yeah. Uh, McCown, broken hand, he's done for the year. Uh, that means that Bryce Petty and or Christian Hackenberg will take the realm there and probably lead the Jets out of the playoffs. Uh, do either of those two strike your fancy as a possible pickup? No, they don't. Um, this week, like I said, I don't mind Foles. And next week, um, I'll tell you, honestly, take a look at Arizona. And then they're facing the Giants in week 16. So if you can go grab, was it Gabbert that's there now starting? Lane Gabbert is starting right now. Although um, the coach has already said that if and when Stanton is healthy, he is the starter. But again, we may not see Stanton again this year. And you know what? Stanton's a guy that you'll be able to get next week if you don't, if that happens. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind grabbing St- Gabbert and stashing him if you have a spot for it so for next week. Um, if you were relying on Jimmy Garoppolo, do so this week, but don't plan on it next week. He's got the Jaguars. So just got to be able to look ahead. And one of the things we said we wanted to talk about was setting um, playoff lineups. And I think that what can't be understated is you have to understand your needs. And by that, I mean, if you look to be an underdog, you got to take risks, right? Mm-hmm. That's when you start plugging in the DeAndre Hopkins in a horrible matchup over a Jamison Crowder type thing. Or if you know that you just need to be safe and you, can't, you don't need to take risks. You've got a stronger team across the board, and there's no sense in risking a guy that's questionable that may or may not play, and you don't want to, you know, an Ertz, but you've got an Ebron that you can put in there type thing. So that's just, to me, it's important to be able to look at your opponent, understand where you are, what you expect your production to be, and make those decisions based on the upside you need or the risk that you need to mitigate. How about you? Well, and I, I got excoriated last week in a two-week playoff league where uh, uh, combined score for two weeks uh, gets you through the semis and into the finals, and I made... Uh, the judgment call last week to start Josh Gordon over Julio Jones. Uh, and I mean, Julio ended up with uh, a very minimal line, and Gordon had a very good line last week. So not not Sunday, but the previous Sunday. Right. I but I got excoriated over it because I benched Julio Jones in a playoff game. <laughs> 
you know, that's sometimes it's overthinking, but sometimes you just have to do that. And I was truly thinking about benching Hopkins, but then the more I thought about it, I went, you know what? I can live with the fact that he does have the upside, and I understand the downside I'm getting, but because I'm starting four or five of those players, you just have to kind of switch how you're looking at it. Um, I know I'm not getting 36 points from him this week, though. That's not happening. Um, the other thing we wanted to talk about was remind me because I'm getting old. What did I? What else did we want to talk about? Playoff oh, no. rule changes. Playoff rule changes. That's right. That was one of the things we did discuss post um, pre pre recording here tonight. So I had a dilemma come up in one of the huddle expert IDP leagues that I run, where yes, after the regular season was done, one of the owners I will not say what site he works for sends an email saying, hey, I realized I didn't make the playoffs and the head-to-head record is the tiebreaker. While I can understand that when it's four teams that are tied, I think it should be total points, which, of course, would have gotten him into the playoffs. And, of course, as a commissioner, I've got to make the decision. And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will elicit feedback from the league, and if I have a majority from the league by this time tomorrow night, I only made a 24-hour rule. I said, I will then consider changing the rule, but I will tell you right now, my stance is the rules have been that way all year long. While I may not or you may not or others may not think it's the best method, I think it would be wrong to change it at this point. Make a note. Remind me after the season. We'll address it for next year. Yeah, hopefully that your league's rules are dynamic enough and fluid enough that uh, you can make changes in the offseason without having to be fluid with the rules uh, during the season because that really does put you in a precarious position as a commissioner to have to uh, take the uh, your league constitution as a living document, which, uh, it, politics joking aside, is not something that you want to do as a commissioner during the regular season or during the playoffs in particular. And I'll add this too. The other reason why I elicited feedback from the other owners, I was in the playoffs. I was the third highest scoring team in the league. He was the second. He's not going to make the playoffs. You would think that that would make me have a better road to the championship, right? So I didn't mm-hmm. want to make it seem like I was making a decision based on the fact that something that would possibly benefit me. So long story short, the league agreed if we're going to change it, it's next year. Rules are what they are. They stay this year. And that went that aligned with what I would have decided. Um, so in any event, that's what that is. Well, and I think that's kind of the, uh, the most important thing to take from this segment is that uh, your, your league has rules. Your league should have some form of winter meeting. Uh, during that winter meeting or during that spring meeting, I guess, in the case of football season, you need to sit down with the other owners. The other owners, if they want to be able to bitch and moan about the rules in season, they need to be willing to make themselves available for at least an hour at some point during the spring months to discuss potential rules changes because – if they're not willing to put in the time yep. to make their make their request known, then they really have no stake to complain about a rule when even if it's a bad rule, if it doesn't help their team in the regular season or playoffs, it, it's too late. It, it, again, it, it's burned me actually a little bit this year in one league where uh, we had a owner who was out of the playoffs – who has decided to cut? It's a dynasty league format where you can keep up to four players this season. Uh, they are salaries. Uh, she cut four high-priced stud players, including Tom Brady, 
and Greg Zorline in a kicker mandatory league, uh, both because their salaries were high enough that she was not going to keep them next season. Now, unfortunately, only two of the playoff teams in this league had much of anything for a free agent budget remaining, and one of those teams was able to purchase Tom Brady for a very small price tag, where he'll now be able to keep Tom Brady at that cheap price tag next season, in addition to being able to use him in the playoffs, uh, replacing a much more uh, mediocre quarterback. Now, yeah, this, and as we say on other weeks, we don't discuss the DFS stuff usually. This we did talk about a little bit um, pre-show today. And I told you, I said, one of the ideas that I had was, a lot of times in your normal season-long leagues, you'll hear people say, if you're not in the playoffs, you can't make waiver pickups. Well, in a keeper league and a dynasty league, I would absolutely be diametrically opposed to that because those people are still playing for the future. And the thing that I told you that I would look to do is give them the ability to still drop those players once the playoffs start, but next year write a rule in that says any player dropped by a non-playoff team, and you could even expand it to any team during the playoffs if you wanted to, that those players are not available to be picked up until after your league Super Bowl has been played. That way it's fair game for everybody, and it doesn't give an unfair advantage to somebody picking them up last minute to really reconstruct their team with a stud. Well, I, I totally agreed with that. When you said that, I, that was not a solution that I had thought about, but I'm definitely going to bring that up with the uh, co-commissioner in that league because I believe that that is a fair way to deal with it. Uh, one of the items we had talked about was the possibility of uh, uh, a lot of free sites uh, such as ESPN and Yahoo have quote-unquote can't cut lists. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of those either because, uh, for one, there'll be situations where you'll have a player that either underperforms to the level that they need to be cut or in the case of injuries, season-ending injuries and whatnot, uh, it, it really is painful to have to wait for your league management site to update a player's status so that you can go out and pick up someone just because uh, they're on a can't-cut list. Yeah. I don't like the can't-cut list, especially in, in Dynasty and, and Keeper Leagues. Um, I'm all for usually leniency and letting people run their leagues, but you've got to find a way to not have something get tilted so badly in the playoffs um, but still not hurt your non-playoff teams from being able to do stuff because they should have every right to pick up somebody off the waiver wire if they think they've got a running back that's going to help them next year. Um, they just You have to find a way to mitigate the other part of it. That's all. Now We never, of, we never want to open up a league to collusion come up no, uh, with not, all the dynasty formats that are out there. And some of these, uh, these days have very, very high jackpots yes. rolling from year to year. And, and here's the thing. I wanted to say two things, actually, before we cut this off soon. Um, one, if you've never been a commissioner, you need to be a commissioner at some point. It is a thankless job, okay? It is hard to do. When you have good owners and your league runs itself, if you're a commissioner of a league like that, bless you, because they all don't run that way. And you might want everybody to have the best interest of the league at hand. They will not. They will always have an eye towards their own team and how it impacts their team. As a commissioner you have to be able to make the decisions that you feel are correct for the league at that time, and sometimes those are not popular decisions to be made. The last thing I'm going to add before I turn it over to you before we end this week is for all of you that are out there going, well, total points should be what decides playoffs. Screw that. I'm going to tell you total points is not the thing that's going to tell me who the better team is because there could be two or three blow-up weeks where a team scores 
40, 50% more points than they do all year, and that's what skews them. If you really want to find the best team with a tiebreaker, you go all play or nothing at all. Totally agree. We've had several leagues that have switched to uh, predominantly all play for their playoff roster. Sometimes we'll still take like the top two or three teams and then do the others based on all play. I really agree with that. I'm not a fan of total points. I'm even less a fan of head-to-head. Although if you do play in divisions, sometimes it's kind of fun to have that sort of tradition built between the divisions if you're in a long time, a long-term league. But again, all play is the best way to do it. Uh, I, I think that uh, that's kind of a, a good way to uh, segue to the outfit this week because again, you're in the playoffs and you're you're going to be in this uh, or you're not in it either way. It's of course now they show a picture of Derek Jeter on the TV here in Miami. Uh, we made fun of him earlier, but uh, you're in the playoffs and. and you're hoping that your team can make it, but you know what? If they don't, that's just fine because there's always daily fantasy. There's always dynasty leagues. There's other ways to get your get your enjoyment during the offseason. Fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball, fantasy hockey, fantasy golf, fantasy NASCAR, whatever you like. Know that there is opportunities to keep yourself uh, abreast of things heading into the draft this spring. Uh, be on the lookout for... Uh, uh, we usually tend to do a show sometime around the draft to talk about potential draft picks, and uh, I think it's good for people to stay abreast of the fantasy football season, even if you're out of it, because, you know what, August is going to come sooner rather than later. Hey, and I'm going to add one thing since I'm looking this up while you were going on that little mini rant for me. Um, in a 16-team full IDP dynasty league, my record this year was 6-7. and seven. I missed the playoffs by three games, Okay. Four divisions, etc. Four divisions, four teams each. Top three teams make the playoffs. Division winners, and then a wild card from each to each conference. Guess what? I was six and seven, and I missed the playoffs. I had the fourth most points scored in the league. Guess what else I had? I had the fourth best all play record, a six oh five winning percentage. I missed the playoffs. It happens. It happens. That's all I can say. Is it the best and the fairest way to do it? So what? It's what it is. There is something to be said for head-to-head. It doesn't always break your way. That's why we keep coming back for more. And speaking of coming back for more, make sure you follow my man Harley at Nuclear Harley. Follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Head on over to iTunes. Make sure you rate us and review us and all that good happy stuff. And until next week, get blitzed responsibly. Yeah, get blitzed responsibly. Don't drink while you're getting blitzed responsibly like me. And if it has to be eggnog, use eggnog. Cheers. Cheers.